Welcome back to the Forking Wellness Podcast. My name is Barry Strickoff, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Sophie Burchin, Registered Associate Nutritionist. And today we are super excited to be here with Deborah, aka Bowel Babe, on Instagram. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for having me, ladies. Well, I can't believe we're in a pod. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. We are, we are recording today at the pod at White City Place Studios, um, which is really fun. We've never been here. It's kind of like a funky pod with these big glass windows. We could see everyone walking around. But they so can't see us. They can't see us. <laughs> I um, actually walk my dog in this park like every day when I work, so I'm sure we'll see tons of dogs, which will make <laughs> us smile. Um, and then also this podcast is sponsored by Rivita, which is so fitting because we actually met Deb at um, the Rivita event a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Absolutely, where we're all baking up some, yes. some treats, won't we? With delicious Rivita rye breads in such creative ways. Absolutely. So, yeah. I've been working with Rivita for a while, um, mainly because I talk a lot about getting more fiber. I talk a lot about yes. poo. I know they don't talk about poo, but we can we, talk, about, we can talk yeah. about poo. And it just for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. And um, as you guys know, um, actually, loads of us don't eat enough fiber. Yes. Totally. So Nine was, in ten of us. Yeah. yeah. I would say only one Crazy. in ten people meet their fiber recommendation. Um, so what you guys can do to help increase your fiber is join Ribita's Fiber Fit Campaign, which challenges you to get 30 grams of fiber in 30 days. Yeah. And you can head to their website for that link, and it's super easy. It's really fun because you get loads of emails um, sent to you. And even my kids did it. But I was really competitive. um, And this is kind of like quite (laughs) an interesting thing that we can talk about in that actually if your body's not used... I'm now on a really high-fiber diet, and I can explain why. But um, basically I've had to train my body to get to that point. Mm. And you guys will know, if you go from like zero to like 30 grams of fiber... um, Basically, your stomach hurts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had this conversation on the other podcast that we did um, with Rivita. I a girl in my um, uni class was like overdosing on chia seeds. And she ended up <laughs> in the hospital because like her stomach yeah. complications were just like so bad. And I underestimated it because I was like, I went hardcore. I was like, from like, yes, I'm going to speed ahead. I was like, I'm speeding ahead. <laughs> Everything is fiber. <laughs> And no, no, now, now actually, I have a really, really high fiber diet. Yeah. Um, made, actually, driven by what I've learned through Rivita, and then, and then because of some uh, complications with my bowel, actually, mm. and the only way I can manage it is through a high fiber diet. Yeah, that's so um, interesting. Which is really, but you have to get used to it. Yeah, you do. You can't yeah. go from, you can't do anything overnight. And no. Kind of. And it's quite cool. Like my it. kids actually love Rivita now. <laughs> so, by the like way, your kids are so cute on your stories. <laughs> I feel like your daughter is like. A mini you. Yeah, Do you get that a lot. Yeah, she is. She's um, she's a nightmare. <laughs> she's an absolute nightmare. But um, no, they're quite good. They Aww. kind of they seem to get involved with everything. Like I don't force them to do anything. It's totally yeah. their choice. Um, but actually, I think the whole health eating thing is a good education, mm-hmm. and really, kids should be aware of it. Not in a kind of. Um, over analytical way, but in a kind of making sensible choices and understanding those yeah, choices. It's not something we're really taught in school, is yeah. it? No, we're not. not and I think all. we should be. And I used to be um, um, in education, and I find it amazing that we don't actually put a massive it's focus crazy, on those basics. It? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I remember when I first met you at the Ribeta event and I knew nothing about you and you told your story and it actually made me quite emotional. So can you tell us and share with our listeners? Absolutely. So I've had a bit of a rollercoaster story um, in that. So I'm um, currently 38. Um, Can't believe I can say that. When I was 35, um, I, well, my life was very different to what it is now. So I was um, a deputy head teacher in a secondary school. I was like passionate about education. Um, I still am passionate about education. And I was kind of plowing on. I've got a couple of kids who are now 10 and 12, which is amazing. (laughs) And I had um, a change of bowel habits. I would say that I've always been somebody who has been diagnosed, and I'm doing that with the big, like, Mm. kind of, like, air quotes, (laughs) um, with... Uh, like an irritable bowel Mm -hmm. so whether I was one extreme or the other I would always have quite an unsettled bowel but something then happened in terms of uh, probably six months prior to my diagnosis the key thing for me was that um, I started losing weight Um, I actually thought that that was um, just because I was working out Mm -hmm. I always work out loads but I would say you know when you just think yeah I'm smashing it I'm fine (laughs) Uh, which is bonkers Um, I then was really tired but I figured everybody's really tired Mm -hmm. right I find it amazing that now I'm currently still on treatment and I'll get to that point but I'm less tired than I was prior to my diagnosis which is bonkers right Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me I had um, the key thing is that I started pooing blood now it wasn't persistent but it did get worse Mm -hmm. over six months and I would say it started where it was like really intermittent so it was like and and it was fresh I was just gonna ask I know this sounds like might be a bit graphic but was it dried or fresh because I think that those are two separate things and that one might be more common than the other and some people might have experienced yep and there's slight misconceptions about them Mm -hmm. as well so on the whole fresh blood we're kind of taught Um, not to worry too much about it and it's probably going to be hemorrhoids or whatever it might be now my advice is always 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 get checked yes now for me the reason is because actually my blood looked fresh Mm -hmm. retrospectively I I think I now know the difference yeah but retrospectively it was slightly mixed in with the stool however it was certainly bright red Mm -hmm. and I know this is really graphic and apologies if you don't like listening but the reality is that actually understanding the difference could have saved my well might have saved my life or could have saved my life Mm -hmm. now um, with me the reason I was bleeding and the reason it was fresh is because um we went on and by the time I was um, had a colonoscopy done um, which I actually had to do a kind of a private referral for and because nobody believed that it was serious enough for me to wow. need a referral Amazing. that essentially um, by the time I was diagnosed we found a six and a half centimetre tumour um, oh, in my God. bowel now that tumour was obviously bleeding and that was what was causing the blood however the reason the blood was so fresh is because the tu- our bowel is huge as yeah. you guys know <laughs> it's a massive long thing I don't even know do you guys even know how long our bowel is because I don't oh god it's I massive isn't it I know that the large intestine is actually smaller than, than the small, small intestine. intestine so the small intestine's like wrapped around little squiggles yeah and then the large intestine um oh god I used to know the statistics it's crazy though isn't yeah. it yeah. like I, I'm gonna go and google this in a minute because yeah. I'm really interested we'll put it in the show notes we'll, we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> the large bowel is about this now um my tumour was actually only about 11 12 centimetres up 
um, in terms of from my anus yeah. up. So officially it was in my bowel, but it was in an area, it was in called the sigmoid junction. Yeah. And so that's where it was, which actually on me, I'm quite sure, but you know, mm-hmm. it's quite low down. Yeah. So the reason that it was fresh blood is because it was, it was so, so low, low down. So it didn't have time to like yeah. oxidize by the time it passed through. Absolutely. And the common misconception is that actually all serious bleeding is like, um, it, oxidized which means the colors like change is mm-hmm. black and actually that is true in a lot of cases it means it's just upper it's like mm-hmm. higher in the gut yeah. but the problem is with me is it was serious yeah, even though exactly. it was fresh so, just, um, wow. always, so it's always, always. To get it checked. so they yeah. basically just said to you you know that's actually quite common just see how it goes for a couple more days and weeks to come back basically is that what they told yeah, you yeah so what happened again this is another misconception all my blood tests were fine so they did send me off for some blood tests okay um but again, um, because it was fresh bleeding um, and it is obviously just started to bleed. I wasn't anemic at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually my bloods were fine. My bloods yeah. were normal. I had nothing serious going on that they could tell. Um, and then what happens is when your test results come back normal, including uh, the poo sample. So for me, I did something called the FOB test, which has now changed to the fit test. And actually, that's kind of what we use for screening in the UK. But yeah. unfortunately, we know that it's less accurate with um, females and with younger females. Is that um, due to the hormones? It's due to like just the way it's measured. And I, I'm not, to be honest with you, I don't know why it's less accurate. But my understanding is in young females, um, and I it, like, there's not a, a statistic I can be quoted on, but it's only accurate about half the time. Wow. Which and is that's really, what the standard protocol is. Yeah, it's now changed Sorry. to a slightly better one, which is good. Mm. Um, but it's quite alarming, actually, really that it's alarming. not as accurate as you think yeah. it might be. And then, yeah, unfortunately for me, I just kept on being sent away. And then I think, you know, when the doctors say, oh, you're fine, and then you just dismiss it and you kind yeah, of think well you think okay the doctor said i'm, I'm okay fine, so, so it must cool. be okay yeah. and then i think for me it just got worse my bleeding got worse my changing i could, you know i was running to the loo i was going like and 10 times yeah. a day and you up. know when something's yeah. up and i think i thought i had crohn's or colitis actually if truth be told and i think even by the time i went to see the specialist i think that's what they thought i had mm. um and then they um i had a colonoscopy which is the kind of golden standard yeah. um and we saw it there and then. He wow. pretty much knew almost instantly that it was cancerous, um, which was confirmed with a biopsy. And then, mm. um, unfortunately, by the time I was diagnosed, um, it meant that it already metastasized. It had already spread around my body. So, um, I mean, I could be really gutted about that. And I am, obviously, yeah. because statistically, with bowel cancer, when bowel cancer is caught early... Um, you have over 90% chance of surviving and it's essentially you can top it out and yeah. you might not even need chemotherapy. It's quite amazing, actually. Um, but unfortunately, by the time it's spread, less mm. than 8% of people will survive. So I'm in that 8% that, at the moment. Uh, that's just, I mean, yeah. amazing. It's bonkers. Yeah. So by the time I was diagnosed, um, I was 35, which is quite unusual bowel cancer is is more common over 50 yeah, yeah. it is like becoming it's like an over 50 is like men's that's kind of like the perception stick, yeah, yeah the yeah. perception and it's great that we have you here to break that down obviously because yeah. you know it could happen to anyone yeah. it could but happen like, to anyone even like when we were like in school and we were learning about it like in nutrition and dietetics that's yeah. kind of like 
the yeah, stigma, the, the stigma absolutely yeah. and it's a stigma also that the reason I call myself bowel babe is almost because for me it's the polar opposite to what you imagine somebody with bowel cancer to have and so you guys will know that obviously there's associations with bowel cancer that you eat too much red meat mm-hmm. that you don't exercise that you don't eat enough fiber that you um very lifestyle very lifestyle yeah. based and that is correct for about 50 percent of bowel cancers like you can't we can't run away from that um but then there's also 50 percent of people who are diagnosed that actually it's not i was vegetarian i am vegetarian i've been vegetarian for 25 years really yeah so when somebody (gasps) says to me oh is it because you ate loads of red meat i'm like i was 35 a 35 year old vegetarian (laughs) for 25 years no (laughs) is it because you don't exercise uh i run five times a week no so it's kind (laughs) of like breaking down that misconception that it can just because i don't have those risk factors doesn't mean i'm not immune from it right and I don't have any genetic reason. I don't have, mm-hmm. like, there, there's things like Lynch syndrome, um, yeah. uh, FAP. I don't have any I just of feel like this is, for lack of a better word, it's just, like, shit happens. Like shit you happens, can, yeah. You can plan all you want, and you can make all the conscious decisions. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you're a vegetarian, Nothing's you're active. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're, yeah. exactly, you're yeah. not guaranteed from... Yeah, anything. I think people always assume you can cancer-proof your life. And mm-hmm. I'm really kind of... Um, I, my philosophy is everything in moderation because the reality 100%. is we can make sensible choices mm-hmm. and some of them are like no-brainers because they're not, you know, we're not locking ourselves in a way hiding from life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can just make sensible choices yeah. and those sensible choices can reduce our risk of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't protect us from yeah. anything. Of course. But I would take the choice, you know, I would try to reduce my risk, absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, with heart disease, diabetes, cancers. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to get them. And so for me, I'm always kind of like, yeah, yeah, I get this. I know yeah. that you shouldn't do this, but I still got it. And so for me, by the time I was diagnosed, unfortunately, so this was three years ago now, um, it was then in my lungs. I had about eight tumours in my lungs. Um, so then I had um, a year of chemo, lots of operations. So I've got like parts of my lung missing. Um about five lung operations and all those tumors came out and I was like yay and then unfortunately it spread to my liver and a couple of arteries (laughs) Um, and so I've spent the last two years kind of on um, having more treatment and Mm -hmm. the last year I've been on some targeted therapy um, which um, I'm still on today Mm -hmm. Um, and about three weeks ago I got amazing news and don't get me wrong we've had like loads of operations in my liver and everything um, that actually there's no evidence of cancer in my body which is incredible to go from metastatic like I've had about 15 tumours around my body so to go from metastatic cancer back to officially being NED which is like no evidence um, and I say this cancer free thing again in inverted commas because it like hit the headlines that I was cancer free I am cancer free and my oncologist is very good actually he said we have to celebrate that that is actually really significant like Mm -hmm. medically to get to that point again however we know the statistics. Yeah. Right. So everybody's once like... once it's metastasized, it could be hiding. It could be hiding. We have millions of cells in our bodies. It could be just one rogue cell, mm-hmm. and we know that that can develop into something. Yeah. So I know, I understand, like, what mm-hmm. it looks like. But as he says, you know, 
it is positive and statistically 100%. we have to take those small wins mm. but there's no rest um, I was asked questions such as what are you going to do now you're cancer free and I was like mm. I'm going into the hospital I'm having dreaming yeah. <laughs> yeah. so are you still undergoing you're going through the targeted therapy I'm still on my targeted therapy but you're not on chemo but I'm not on chemo and I haven't been actually for a year now um, so my targeted therapy consists of three different types of targeted drugs um, which I do get with an infusion in my body every mm-hmm. two weeks and then daily tablets um, and that will target uh, pathways in the cancer cells now it won't work forever mm-hmm. so the risk with me is that um, actually on average it only works for seven months and I've been on them for a year so wow. at any point they could run out but we won't know that they've run out until we see cancer again so the, the theory is we may as well stay on the drugs yeah. Um, yeah. because you know there's an average and then mm-hmm. there's us yeah so mm-hmm. you just basically as long as you can tolerate them yeah you just carry on like and the hope is that like it just not buys you time but like absolutely the, it does yeah the medicine that, is always progressing and hopefully there's going to be something yeah. that 100%. comes out that yeah. is going to be you know helpful for you absolutely so i'm monitored really really closely mm-hmm. so whilst i am cancer free yeah I, I mean you know however you want to define cancer free um the key thing is that I'm being monitored closely. So you, I call it splat the tumour. So you hope if something pops up, you can you splatter. Just knock it back out. Um, and then these drugs that I've been on for the last year didn't exist when I was first diagnosed. Oh, wow. So that's the kind of key hope that I take. Yeah. So you're exactly right in that it buys you time and the time hopefully buys you hope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. so when did you start your Instagram kind of journey? Like when did yeah. you decide, okay, look, I'm going to document this journey? So I think the teacher in me was quite shocked at how little I knew about cancer mm-hmm. um, and also about the misconceptions that I have about cancer, but also how um, I genuinely assumed I would go into uh, like a box for six months and well, I say a box like in a room, hide yeah. myself away yeah. from the world just and emerge like treatment. just receiving treatment. And but for me, I am on treatment for life, whether mm. I'm cancer free or not. And so I have to learn to live with it. Um, and for me, I suppose there was two elements. One was the um, lack of my own awareness. The second was showing that you can probably live with cancer and the highs and the lows yeah. of it. And then the third was education. I was like, I'm a teacher. I find it amazing that we're not educated. Well, I didn't feel educated as a generation about cancer in terms of I had total misconceptions about it. I had misconceptions about chemo. I had misconceptions about why you've got cancer. I just assumed it was other people. And I assume yeah. that it was something that they... I think most people feel that way. Until yeah. like, it happens to you, it's always like, oh, that's something that happens to other people. It's yeah. something that happens. And it, you just... I had all these wrong things. And yeah. I was like, I'm a deputy head in the secondary school. This is just rubbish. So if I think this, I'm sure that there's other people that think this too. So I think I just started it maybe a couple of months after I was diagnosed. Um, actually, almost immediately, I think. Um, and then started... Um, I started a blog that actually now is a column. I know that sounds quite mm-hmm. random. Because oh, wow. everybody's like, oh, uh, do you still have a blog? So I did have a blog. So yeah. I started a blog, basically. That's kind of how it started. I started a blog called Bow Babe. Um, and I was writing in it every week. And then it was kind of picked up by um, an editor at The Sun. Um, and that then became my column yeah which but I kind of Just got to the point yeah <laughs> I got to the point where I was like I can't I it, weirdly actually I probably do need to now like go back and have a personal blog and a public blog yeah. but I kind of got to the point where actually writing 
for both entities yeah, like every week was quite much. a lot when you're on treatment <laughs> so I was like I know I'm just gonna write my column yeah. so that's kind of how I suddenly like then gain followers because suddenly if you're writing for the sun yeah, yeah of course um, and then through Instagram just like met loads of different people and stuff mm-hmm. and then eventually met through um my colleagues um who well one Rachel who sadly isn't here and Lauren again who we created a podcast together called you me in the big C um and that was all through social media yeah it's amazing isn't it social media people you meet yeah Yeah, did you find writing the blog a bit cathartic and like a way for you to like deal with everything that was kind of going on yeah 100% so what happens is when you're diagnosed um with any illness sometimes people are incredible but it can be quite all all consuming Mm. and it can be really um mentally hard like I find it easy now to recount what happened but when you're in it it's really difficult yeah and what then happens is not in a rude way people are really nice but you can go from um you know one person to another person saying this is my story and I and you all you're doing is relaying a two-minute conversation with your clinician Mm. and you're trying to like jump to these conclusions nobody knows what's going to happen and my clinician was always like one step at a time he still is one step at a time and so I found that writing it down I could kind of and I still now find this I can write it down I can park it I can put it out there and then and then if I want to pick it up I can but Mm -hmm. I don't have to like go for it which is good so yeah, yeah, I think that a lot of people, like, journaling is, like, a massive yeah. strategy to help yeah. people go through anything, and yours was just a different form of that. Yeah. But I think that's great that you kind of had that outlet Yeah, for yourself. Yeah. No, absolutely. Is there, is there anything else you did kind of during that time where obviously it was so difficult for you in terms of dealing with it mentally? Yeah, I think it's... The mental side is really, really hard. I, I can't think even imagine. Yeah, because I assumed I was going to die, and I still might, um, because statistically, I have already outlived my prognosis mm-hmm. a lot. So even if, um, yeah, even if I were to die, I keep on saying to my oncologist, I'm still a success story, it's all right. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really difficult because obviously with I've been in really dark places and I think when my friend Rachel died, that was, I mean, unfortunately online with the community that I've got online, every week I say goodbye to people. I'm Right now it's really difficult because I would say over the last six months, um, not started to, but there's been a lot of people that have died who were diagnosed at the same time as me. Mm. Um, and I would say that's really difficult yeah. to see. Yeah. And it's not like I knew it was coming with them because you know that when people run out of options. Um, but I would say that's been really hard. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I get really angry. Um, and I know we'll talk about it, but I get really angry when people are like, oh, you're beating cancer. And I'm like, no, I'm not beating cancer. You're living you're, with cancer. I'm living with yeah, cancer. And I'm then they're like, to... oh, I know why you're doing this. It's because you're so positive. And I'm like, so you're saying everybody else isn't. Yeah. yeah. And it's almost like uh, this. I just came in, didn't I? And I talked about, it. I was having, oh, I can see my Twitter going off. Yeah. I was having some Twitter <laughs> argument this morning. <laughs> I think it's really relevant I think and you guys know this this is your business in terms of food and mm-hmm. nutrition and um I, I the way I look at food and nutrition is to fuel my body mm-hmm. to give my immune system as much strength as it can mm-hmm. to support everything that I have to go through yeah um, I've always been vegetarian, but that 
so I haven't changed that at mm-hmm. all. I probably, since my diagnosis, eat less dairy. I would say that's more a choice. I'm not mm-hmm. based on anything in particular. I think that's just a personal choice. Mm-hmm. Although I do really like cheese. <laughs> we were talking to the two we biggest cheese oh, saying, Should we try going vegan? And then we were like, shit, we'd have to give up cheese. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're like, yeah, I'm pescatarian. I'm pescatarian. Yeah, as well. which is the best. If I if I wish I would eat fish, like, but I just haven't for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I'm like funny about my fish though. Like. It can't be like yeah. if, if it's if it's overcooked or if it resembles oh, yeah, anything like weird. meaty flavors. You I don't, don't like, like it. it or like that. Like if it's like a meaty piece of fish with a meaty texture, can't do it. But like sushi all day. Like oh, anything, really? Like, it's okay, like that's the rarer the better because it's like it's weird. <laughs> I'm so like, I like to buy like all the. I don't know. Because so I've got to the point because I've been veggie because people are like, why do you just eat it? And I'm like, no, because I've got. I think I don't know whether this happens, but I've got to the point where I've been vegetarian and and uh, for so long mm. that if I, I almost have like an actual reaction I, to me. I, yeah, I your body ever, like with the enzymes. I want to vo- vomit. Yeah. Like, actually vomit. Yeah, I can't like, ever yeah. imagine. I mean, we judge no one for their food choices. You know, yeah. if they eat meat. Fine, Whatever. if they love it, yeah. great, yeah. But I can't ever imagine putting chicken in my mouth again. No, no, I can't. It's just <laughs> really funny. Like, I tried a piece of chicken yeah, of Mark's tr- chicken. Yeah, you try Because I cook for my you? boyfriend and he eats meat. And if he's Yeah, my having, kids do as well, yeah. If he's having chicken and it's like kind of like the same thing I make for myself on a piece of salmon I'll put on his chicken I'm like oh it smells amazing like looks so good let me just try a bit and I did probably have like um a bit a while ago and I was really ill after like I felt and I don't know if it was mind over matter like I don't know if that was just me in my head but either way yeah but either either way way. I kind of got like a this like a physical reaction reaction. and I was just like oh I don't I don't it was it wasn't worth it like I didn't actually like the taste of the chicken I just like the marinade that I put on it yeah. and I could just honestly put that on a piece of salmon and call it a day yeah like, so it, it was just a weird experience but like in my head I'm always like oh should I try it like yeah. and I, I do because I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with you know eating yeah. meat mm-hmm. so I'm like oh I'll try and make my life like you know just a bit more flexible yeah. and things it's, no it's, didn't like it didn't like it <laughs> it's so weird because I think um people when they get a diagnosis they'll quite often like throw you know throw everything up in the air and yeah. sometimes that's you know maybe their diets aren't really yeah. bad and it's really weird so my twitter argument today is the fact that actually if i were to um look at like maybe my diet and my my lifestyle trust me i drink a lot of wine but i would say minus the wine <laughs> actually on the whole you know i do i mean i slag off I, I don't slag off I do actually have smoothie, like green smoothies every day and I am really plum based and I do actually do all the stuff you know I have a yeah. high fibre diet so I funny enough actually but I, the, the problem is because it's part of me it's like part of what I've been doing for 25 years mm-hmm. it's not like um, there, basically the Twitter argument I was having today was I don't know some headline about somebody saying oh yeah I've beaten stage 4 cancer but obviously I wouldn't do the chemo and I was thinking we know that research suggests that you know the outcomes are much worse yeah. and I was thinking I, I think my actual tweet was I could cite my green juices and my um, my plant based diet and my um, exercise as saving me but I think it's also access to a great medical team Absolutely. and a lot of luck oh my gosh um, yeah. and a lot of luck and I just think it's kind of that being really irresponsible in terms of um oh look this is interesting yeah that whole argument is like using food 
as medicine. It's yeah. like, no, yeah. we have great medicine and we have a really advanced Western med- medicine available to us, but that doesn't mean the food can't be supplemental or, you know, you choose the lifestyles that you want because they make you feel good. Because they make but there's, no, like, modern medicine is not something that you can just, like, throw away. You can't throw it away. I, I, I would say it's complementary. You have to have both, right? Yeah. And I think there is a lot of evidence now that both is, is the right way forward. Mm-hmm. But it's, like... And I think each for their own. And I also think I would be hypocritical to sit here and tell people not to do stuff because you want some control in yeah. situations. So I kind of totally get why people will do whatever they feel is best. But I also think it's then don't advocate that to other people. I completely people. agree. And like, you can't use that anecdotal experience or information to no. then say to other people, you yeah. know, if you're going through this really tough time as well, try this. And I think it's really dangerous. 100%. So I call it, can I say so wanky it, wellness? Oh, yeah. Of course, you can, you can curse, you know. So <laughs> I call it wanky wellness because I think, and you guys understand the, the industry a lot more yeah. than me, but I would say from a, like, not an outsider, but kind of like I talk about health, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm very much, um, in education, everything was evidence-based, right? Um, and I just look at research and I think some yeah, of the information out there is incredibly mm-hmm. dangerous. I think some of the people that are advocating it do not know what they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really bad. Like, all I do is signpost to the people that I know. So yeah. I, I talk about stuff based on what I have got from other people, mm-hmm. but I don't try to it's have a yours. theory myself. Yeah. It's not mine. Does that make sense? act as, like, the expert. <laughs> Absolutely, because I'm an expert in my own health, but I'm not an yeah. expert for somebody else. Yeah. And I think... Um, it's incredibly dangerous. Um, and I'm not saying I know better than them. I'm just saying from what I can see, um, like giving people advice when you're actually, A, not in it yourself, but B, actually you have no credibility to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it can actually kill people. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree. I think that's really important that you, you do have such a great platform and education but it's still like so amazing for us to hear that you kind of understand that that you know what works for you might not work for someone else and um just signpost away yeah (laughs) so i'll advocate things that i know are evidence-based so fiber like yeah fiber is a really obvious one right so one of the reasons that i work with rovita is because i know how regulated it is Mm -hmm. and so the thing that really annoys me so the food industry is well regulated in terms of claims it can make yeah so those claims can only ever be based as you guys know on on research that's out there or whatever it might be. The thing that I find amazing is in the supplement forum, Mm. like, you don't really know, like, what you're going for. And I know that there is some evidence against things. Um, And I'm not saying, like, there's not a place for experimental stuff that there is. That's how, that you know, I am the experiment when it comes to my current drugs at the moment. But I think it's like understanding the risk that is associated with that. Like, I know the risk that's associated with my drugs. And as a result, I'm under incredible medical scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's like balancing up the two sides. Um, But do you guys get really frustrated when... Like oh, definitely, because you guys are trained in it. You know, you've We've you've got degrees in it. You've got masters in it. That have come to us with like a printout of something from like some naturopathic doctor of all yeah. these things they need to avoid, all these you know intolerances that they have. We don't have accurate DNA tests or intolerance kits that have been 
had they have enough research behind them to say yeah you know they can accurately test you're intolerant to dairy you're intolerant to this mm. so yeah we i mean we see it and it's scary that there's actually people out there calling themselves professionals yeah who mm. are giving people advice. Mm. I honestly, I have so many stories. One was like drinking a litre of apple juice a day to cleanse their colon. Yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. There's, um, oh, my friend just sent me, I sent you that like book that oh, some yeah. like nutritionist yeah. wrote. In, and in America, nutritionist is not a protected title. Um, like it is here in like the UK. Like it is. Because um, here it's, it's um, a regulated title, yeah, isn't so it? So it's like yeah. registered dietitian, bodies. registered yeah. Yeah. Um, nutritionist. Yeah. They're both regulated and you know you have to do x y and z um to call yourself yourself and you know you're doing professional development continuing education blah blah but in america there's no such body um and so this person who wrote a book and all my friends are kind of following this diet is like someone who like did i think it was like a two-hour course on nutrition and they're like a certified nutritionist and it's just like that's not actually like a protected title and it was like you can't eat fruit and my friend texted me she's like well I listened to you and Sophie and you said I could have fruit and I'm reading this book and I'm not allowed to have fruit so like what tell tell me what to do, yeah. and it's like I get those questions. Oh. But all people the time. want to believe in a quick fix. That's what the they problem want is. a quick fix. Yeah. yeah. So when they see them, even if a little part of them is like, "Is it too good to be true?" They're like, "No." Let me just try. Let me believe in this person yeah. for a minute. Oh, yeah. The thing. So I love food so much. Um, that sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But no, no, like, no. you're talking I, so I love like to the eat. two biggest foodies the ever. Thing that ups, it doesn't upset me, but I hate I hate it when I see people going. I can't have this or this or this or this or this or this. And I all I want to know is, um, are they doing it because it makes them feel better? Mm -hmm. And if that if that's the case, then great. Yeah, like if you're lactose intolerant, you stay away from dairy because it makes you feel sick. sick. (laughs) Like but also, you know, people like to have control on it. It gives them pleasure in life or whatever it might be. But are they trying to do it to protect themselves from from things? And whilst I think I just think I'm a really good example of somebody and trust me I'm not saying my life was exactly squeaky clean but I'm saying in terms of risk factors you would not put me in the risk factor box yeah. for like diabetes or for um or for colon cancer. In mm-hmm. fact, I should probably be the least risky mm-hmm, person yeah. for colon cancer. And I'm not say I am not saying like yeah go and do whatever eat bacon every day, but I just I just think actually um it's amazing how like you can't you you just don't know what's going to happen yeah and you just like so enjoy your life a little bit yeah live like Like, live your life if you want to i always say like perfection must be so forking boring it's so boring i was just saying so boring like to reach that state of uh, what even is perfect but like to reach that to reach that state you must live such a boring life. Yeah, I sorry. Was, I was watching. I was watching. I don't know why I was watching it, but I think it was more because I keep on um, slagging the whole thing off. Um, the Goop stuff. Oh, right. yeah. oh, the documentary. So, yeah. So I kept on watching with Gwyneth with Gwyneth Paltrow. Not that I'm giving it airtime, but I think I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving it airtime because I think it's such a fucking shit show. It's ridiculous. I haven't watched it myself, so I, I can't speak on it. I watched ten minutes of it. But, and and she was like, oh, you know, I start my day with like a lemon water, and as if like she's got this whole thing down, like yeah, whole health thing, everything yeah, sorted. Literally. And I was thinking, the thing that was making me laugh actually was um, the the bit that I saw was three women, and they're all like, yeah, you know, we're we're trying to use food to um, stop our aging process. And I was looking at oh. them, thinking. <laughs> you guys can't even move your foreheads because you're full of Botox. <laughs> That's what you're using to stop the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, I'm all up for a bit of Botox. But I was like, 
don't tell me that you have your life exactly, sorted because yeah. actually you have your doctor on call giving yeah. you like all this stuff yeah. like don't tell yeah. us. you never get the full story <laughs> you don't get and the full story <laughs> and, it's, it's and the, tra- the personal trainer's in the corner yeah the, the, the other chefs exactly. in the chefs in the other and corner you don't see that full that full spectrum and that's that's dangerous because people don't know like if you're just watching it like you might not think that the other side of it and yeah. it might send out the wrong message to people the only reason I thought about it is because every woman on there um, and the, well, I am slagging it off because I just think it's, 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 yeah. it's irresponsible <laughs> but I was like every woman on there they can't smile their face <laughs> doesn't move. move they have no expression <laughs> I think I'm slightly jealous because I've just got a big like line across my forehead because I didn't think I was going to live I wasn't bothered about it oh. now I'm bothered <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, Botox, like, if you want to get Botox, like, I think, like, my mom loves Botox. Like, I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, don't do Botox and then claim that you're eating to stop the... Like, yes. that's the... And I, I think, agree with you. And I think that's what happens, unfortunately, with um, with some cancer treatments as well. So what you will see in a headline quite often is that... So CBD, obviously, yeah. has massive so kind of, hype. like, so much hype and all these different things around it. And the jury... You know, I'm, I think I'm quite open to to, to a lot of things. Um, funny enough, I'm always asked, do I take it? And the answer is no. And the reason is because one of my doctors actually sits on the board in the UK for mm. um, regulating it. Yeah, that's oh, the thing. It's not... And it's not regulated. actually... It's not regulated, and it's not actually as straightforward. So, yes. for example... Um, I know because I get to work with somebody who is looking at the evidence for types of, um, and I'm not saying this is verbatim, but, you know, for types of pain, yes, there is evidence for um, actually alongside certain types of chemotherapy, there's actually evidence that it supports it. With targeted therapy, actually there's evidence evidence against it. Oh, see, that's That's really interesting. interesting. Which is really interesting. There might be other evidence for it, but to be honest the jury's out so yeah. our view is hang on a moment you're currently stable do you risk it yeah no don't yeah, risk don't. it there's nothing like there's what's working no, is working let's yeah. Yeah, start what's, altering and things. it's because it's something to do with obviously it reduces inflammation in your body which mm-hmm. is amazing but the way that targeted therapy works is to actually get your immune system going yeah and so one of the reasons that um when sometimes I was on steroids, I'm not now. But one of the reasons that they don't like giving steroids with my types of treatment is so because it can your weaken your immune system. And actually, it's like it's kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. So the problem is, I'm sure we will find that actually it will help it. And the same with um, probiotics. Actually, I'm very interested in probiotics, yeah. and I'm sure you guys have yeah. opinions about it. And there is a lot of evidence with some drugs actually that. Um, there's a lot of research going on in cancer at the moment that I'm sure you guys are aware about that essentially they're looking at how the microbiome can be changed to, you know, some people, for example, will take chemo better than others. Mm-hmm. And actually yeah. there's theories that it could actually be to do with the microbiome mm-hmm. and the way that we absorb the drugs and mm-hmm. why is it that certain microbiomes work and others don't. Yeah. And so I'm like, right, I need to take probiotics. Right. But the but problem is, is yeah, right now, if, I, if, it, if I'm if i taking to my drugs, yeah. why would I change my microbiome? Yeah. And so yeah. whilst I think actually, if I, so if I didn't have cancer right now, I probably would start to take um, probiotics. there's so many different strains of probiotics. But there's so yeah. many different yeah. strains and that's where it becomes a bit confusing. And yeah. I'm like, how do you guys navigate that? Like, I don't even know where to start with something like that. 
Well, I mean, a lot of the time it can be trial and error. Yeah. Some people will get on really well with certain strains of probiotics. That there, there have been studies done for certain types of strains for certain conditions, like mm-hmm. IBS. I'd like say. IBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but some people might take them and not feel an effect. So yeah. And they're expensive. And they're really expensive. So it's like, yeah. do you... Yeah, and there's also, like, with different type of probiotics, like, a lot of them cannot survive the whole uh, digestion process. So it's like, okay, we have this many, like, CFUs, which is, like, the uh, how you quantify um, yeah. the probiotics, but actually how many survive in your gut through mm-hmm. kind of, like, your stomach acids and stuff and like that. And through the digestion and Through stuff. the digestion. Okay. So there's just, like, a lot that people, I think... The science is not really there yet. Say we're just at the um, early stages. I think it's great. Like, I think it's interesting. Gut right? health. Yeah. I'm so fascinated. Yeah. I did my dissertation on like the links between uh, recovering um, anorexia and gut health. Oh wow. Um, okay. And kind of like the links between the gut microbiome, similar to what you were yeah, saying, yeah. in the sense that like some people respond to treatment better uh, for chemo, and is that down to the gut microbiome? Mm-hmm. Should we yeah. be introducing kind of like probiotics pre? treatment as part of protocol that's what they're saying in terms of chemo so that's where so there's a big thing called the grand challenge at the moment which is actually a massive research project it's it's public so i can talk about it um which is happening across the world and Mm -hmm. it's one of the biggest uh, funded projects through uh, cancer research uk and it's it's but it links up with like sloan kettering it links up literally across the world and um the main strand of that is exactly that it's looking at how we could we, for example, because it's much, we know we can change the microbiome really quickly. Yeah, we can. So is it much better before somebody embarks upon a, yeah. uh, chemotherapy? Yeah, should we be giving them Should we give them of... a round of, um, like, uh, probiotics? Because we know that that climate is better, f- yeah. which makes sense, yeah, right? That, yeah, that was basically Definitely. my argument for yeah. my was, did dissertation. You just, did, so I did, did a it. systematic review and I kind of proposed that, you know, we need the research on this. Yeah. Um, I think someone this year, actually, in the Masters, because I got contacted... Um, has kind of like picked up where mine left off, oh, and really? it's kind yeah. of like they asked for access to it because they kind yeah. of like wanted to continue on that research. Because it's just yeah. it's just that it's being researched right now, and this was a five exactly. year project, yeah. so I I don't pretend to have the answers, but I do think it's a really interesting area, yeah, yeah. and important as well, and really important. Yeah. Um, so when I when I like slag off everything, I don't slag off the stuff that I feel is genuinely Helpful. happening in research yeah. does that make yeah. sense yeah. and cbd is one of them mm-hmm. and, and i i have a on cbd like i think that it'll come out that cbd will be able to do really good yeah um eventually like, when it's I controlled think, when it's controlled yeah um, i mean there's but some yes. products out there that the amount of cbd in them Oh, it's well, just a buzzword. It's there. not even there. Yeah, it's I, was yeah. there. I was invited to something the other day. And, and it's it was like, like the edible bits. Like you can't really control how much is actually in that portion of food. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. like very uncontrolled. Yeah. I would but much I do prefer it to be regulated. Yes. I would, it's I would a bit more it, regulated in America because it, yeah. parts of America are more legalized with Absolutely. marijuana. Yeah. But um, I don't. I don't think that, you know, it's not, I don't think the science is there for it yet, but I actually personally, I have hope for it in the future. I have hope as well. And like when I speak to one of my doctors who, like I said, sits on the board for it, it is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that a lot of our drugs, um, 
well, all of our, most of our drugs derive from plants in some capacity yeah. uh, originally, like whether we fabricate yeah. them, um, it, whether we make them synthetically, retrospectively. Breast cancer treatment is made from pine needles. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, all these different things, most of our um, pain medicine. So we know that there's a place for it. I think it's yeah. just getting it right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think like with the massive opioid crisis that we're facing, especially in America, this is so yeah. off topic. But I think that <laughs> CBD could offer something maybe old time. Alternative, safer, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Instead of all the pain medication that's yeah, being prescribed, and, and, which is not great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that stuff is so addictive. Yeah. Um, and without the THC, this is so like I'm getting really off topic on my rants about CBD. Um, we should probably <laughs> because it's unrelated. Um, and actually, I know that um, we might be kicked out of the studio soon. Um, <laughs> we just do two questions, one cool. each from followers because. Yeah, sure. we'll do that, and then we'll wrap yeah. up with our pick, pitter peak. Okay. Um, this one came up, like, three times. Okay. So what in life now are you most grateful for? Oh, just being alive, genuinely. Oh, genuinely, genuinely yeah. being alive, um, because I do not know. I'm also grateful for my body, because it, like... So glad you said that. It sounds really weird. Well, no, it's not weird to say that, is no, it? No, not at all. And I think so many people spend so much time trying to change what they look like physically that yeah. they forget to admire their yeah. bodies. Because it's amazing. So when I look at what I have gone through in terms mm. of treatment, it is quite a barrage of treatment. I know that there are people out there who, who do everything. And people see me now. So if, if people kind of have come to my Instagram or whatever over the last six months, they they wouldn't have seen the the journey without that sounding mm. like annoyingly wanky they wouldn't have seen actually because I was looking back you know when things pop up on like this time last year yeah. and all this stuff yeah, like no and worries. I look back at like how ill I was and everything I've gone through and right now I forget actually you know whether it was the pneumonia or the bowel resection or the lung resection mm. or all these operations that you know I still had an operation just before Christmas and I still have to go through it yeah but when I was really really ill on chemo as well um and because I had 24 cycles of chemo um which is quite a lot actually um and I just forget how ill I was and I think if people see me now they're like oh yeah she's just running around this is living with cancer it's fine (laughs) but I'm like no I think actually it's it's been like hell actually and and I'm fully aware that I might be back there so I think I'm very grateful when I complain that my body doesn't work. It doesn't work half the time, mainly because it's been cut up and it's mm. got a lot of scar tissue. It's been through a lot of trauma. It's been through a lot of trauma. But I would say I'm just very grateful that I can still walk and yeah. run. And That kind of lends on to my question, yeah. um, which obviously was from someone who is following you. But how is your marathon training going? Oh, my word. <laughs> I want to cry. <laughs> So I recognize that my body is painful. Like, it honestly is. Because whilst I can, I would say, I feel okay, generally, I forget how much it's been through. I'm also in daily treatment. That daily treatment has side effects. Mm -hmm. And so I am recognizing that I'm literally just going to have to try to get around whatever that mm-hmm. is like mainly because I did was doing hill sprints I mean I say hill sprints basically like walking up a hill um, <laughs> that's on, my idea that's of my hill idea of a hill sprint <laughs> <laughs> on like on uh, on Saturday 
And I kid you not, Sunday, I could not move. I was like, I'm so ill, I can't move. This really bad. Because actually, overexertion, I, I was speaking to my oncologist the other day about this, because exercise is really, really positive with cancer yeah. treatment. However, there's a line, of and course. the line is the overexertion. And as soon as you overexert, your, your immune system starts go- crashing. And a regular person, you're okay. In me, it's like a game nope. over. Yeah. And so I have to find the <laughs> you line. You have to be careful. Yeah. yeah. So right now I want to cry. Okay. <laughs> so there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a You're going to get there. Or maybe it's just a finish line in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Amazing. And then the thing that we love to end on, um, which is kind of the pit and peak of the wellness industry. Yeah. Um, I gave my example last time. I really need to come up with a new one. Do you want to tell yours? Yeah. So my kind of peak is kind of the whole intuitive eating movement okay. and kind of, you know, focusing on health as opposed to weight, which a lot of people are still doing. Oh, no. um, and then the pit. I just always say is lemon water is detoxing because it's just so not. <laughs> Do you have a pit and peak of the wellness industry? Oh, yes. Um, so my the peak would be actually the interesting gut health at the moment mm-hmm. because three years ago when I talked about bowel babe, Bell babe, yeah. my alter ego. Um, <laughs> actually, I kept people kept on going. Oh my god, why are you talking about like bowels? And funny enough, now it's an advantage. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and so actually, I do think it's interesting. I'm not saying I know it's like about breaking it. That it's breaking barrier. the barrier down because the more we can talk about it in a positive way the more people like actually understanding our bowel movements yeah. and stuff like that will actually just for me just lead into body awareness mm-hmm. and lead into actually knowing our gut knowing what's normal and then it's, it's bowel, uh, bowel cancer is our second biggest cancer killer in the UK yeah. so for me it's like a no-brainer more awareness about gut health 100% is yeah is better um so that's my positive my pit is Uneducated advice from yes. people that I just yeah. want to shoot. Yeah. You didn't beat cancer because you drank celery juice. That's oh my, my God. Pe- that's my that's pit such a fab note. My pit was yeah. celery juice, and my peak was ironically yeah. gut health. Um, so very much on the same page. Yeah. But yeah, yeah great way Amazing. to conclude. To wrap it up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yes, honestly, thank you you. so much. I could feel like this conversation gone for hours. Um, But where can people find you? Um, Bowel, babe. Yeah, as you know, the bowel. (laughs) (laughs) B O W E L, the word that I often mistype for bowl, and I get into myself into awkward situations. I do Um, that as well sometimes. I'm just so used to some dietitian, like just like bowels, quite popular in my notes and. (laughs) autocorrect likes That's it so anyways so. um please follow us on forking wellness podcast and on instagram and rate review and subscribe yeah thanks guys bye yeah.